0: Hello, everyone. We're very happy to have you here today for another of our podcast series called Pubs. This podcast is produced by the Blue Marble Space Institute of Science as part of our organizational philosophy to communicate the science that we are conducting to the public and to other scientists. I'm Zach Adam, a research scientist for BMSIS. And today we're thrilled to be interviewing my friend and colleague Sanjoy Som on his recent publication titled The Scaling Relationships and Concavity of Small Valley Networks on Mars. That was published in Planetary and Space Science, Volume 75, in uh, January of 2013. And uh, we're, we're thrilled and delighted to be able to ask him about what this paper covers and uh, what relevance it might have to understanding drainage networks on Mars and the Earth. Uh, so Sanjoy, Welcome.
1: Hey, Zach. Thank you.
0: Yeah, so why don't you start just by giving us a summary of telling us what the paper is about and what you think the main significance of of your work is.
1: Sure. So the paper is about measuring the shape of rivers on Mars. And the reason that's important is that when you measure the shape of rivers on Earth, you can tell just by their measurement whether or not those rivers have continuously flowing water or whether they have very ephemeral or temporary flowing water. So we can use that as a proxy for past climates, because on Mars we don't have any continuously flowing water, but there's a lot of riverbeds. And since geology is kind of like the history book of planets, including the Earth and including Mars, the idea here is to measure the shape of those small riverbeds
0: on Mars and see if they
1: record a time of continuous water flow.
0: I see. And uh, so on the Earth, we have a pretty good record of both ephemeral and continuous flowing water on the surface of the Earth. But you said that we don't really have a continuous record on Mars. How can we tease out this difference? How do we know that there's a difference there? It's
1: important to note that you're right in saying that Mars and Earth are, are quite different. But the way the shape will change, for example, a river increasing in width downstream, or a river decreasing in slope downstream, those characteristics will apply on Mars as well. So what we did is look for those small valleys on on Mars, those small dry riverbeds, and we can do that because of the high resolution data we have on the planet and thus measured how the width changes downstream and how the slope changes downstream, and compared that to rivers on Earth. And what we we were able to find on Mars is that those rivers do not show characteristics of continuously flowing water. And the reason that's important is that you can only have continuously flowing water if you have an atmosphere thick enough that will allow liquid water to be stable on the planetary surface. And so the fact that we don't find any rivers that have the characteristics of continuously flowing water, that is a strong indication that the climate on Mars, even very long time ago, three plus billion years ago, didn't allow continuously flowing water for, let's say, a billion years. So it was very temporary hot periods that allowed water to
0: flow. How are the data that were collected uh, for your study that dealt with Mars, um, are the data... Uh the sources of the data the same or different as uh, data that are, are collected for, like, Earth's topographic relief? Uh,
1: yes I know. in the sense that we apply the same method, the difference being on Earth you can actually go to the river and measure it. While on Mars, obviously, you cannot do that, and we rely on topographical data as well as high-resolution re- imagery to make those measurements. So the topographical data is used to measure the slope, Mm-hmm. and the high-resolution res- imagery allows you to measure the width of the river
0: downstream. I see. Okay, so it's a combination of the like altimetry and satellite images that allow you to co- construct these kind of 3D spatial relationships about the drainage networks.
1: That's correct and these data have been taken by the satellites that are orbiting the planet as we speak.
0: I noticed that in your paper uh, you and your co-authors make a specific point to address Uh, the limitations of earlier measurements can you talk a little bit about what you believe these limitations were and about like maybe what made your approach different than these earlier measurements these earlier uh, attempts
1: yes absolutely so to give credit where where it's due the project was was the senior undergraduate project of Polita Benido who was an undergrad at Mount Holyoke who's graduated now and uh, she was working off one of my previous work. I was using the coarser data as a proxy for climate. So I was using more ancient data, which means that the resolution was not as good as today. So I could only look at the largest of the rivers, of the dry riverbeds on Mars. So that in- this introduces some bias in right. the data. And with higher resolution, we can we're able to tell that some of the larger... Rivers, at least what I thought were rivers, are in fact what's called outflow channels, meaning those are kind of catastrophic outbursts of water that do not necessarily represent a river like we can think of it on Earth, where the water is fed by rain. Right. So by having this higher resolution information, we can look at the smaller riverbeds, which were not available in my earlier study. And thus those we know were formed by rain, just because of the branching morphology or shape that those rivers have. And thus by looking at their shape and how they change downstream, then we can infer how much it rained and for how long. Um, well, how long, grossly speaking, that is. You know, we can't say rain for yeah. two weeks, you know.
0: <laughs> but yeah.
1: how long in a, in the geological
0: sense? So this kind of brings up a, a good point where we understand pretty well uh, how And we can study on the ground how drainage systems on the Earth work. But on Mars, we're kind of limited by temporal scale and spatial scale. Do you think that there are a variety of different types of flow patterns that one might confuse with uh, river drainage channels? And are are there any ways to kind of parse out what are river channels versus something else? Do we understand what some of these other processes might be?
1: Yeah, and that's actually the trap I fell in when I was looking at the coarser data, I mean, it's kind of like the face on Mars, right, in the early days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, once you have higher resolution, you're able to tease out the details. I see. And so uh, it's, it's, it's really the increased resolution that has allowed us to make some certainty claims about the formation history of some of the features that we see on the surface. And some of them are undoubtedly formed by rain. Right. Um, it's interesting to think about um, what could cause rain on Mars because it is a very dry and cold planet. But perhaps earlier in its history, when it has had a little bit more of an atmosphere, you could cause temporary high atmospheric pressure that would allow the permanent stay of water following large impacts, for example. Yeah. That would cause like a temporary environment that would allow water flow to carve those channels. Another possibility is that Mars is going through quite drastic changes in its orbital parameters, particularly its inclination. Mm-hmm. And so Earth doesn't have those drastic movements because we have a moon that stabilizes us. But for Mars, it can essentially bounce around on geological timescales to a point where different latitudes would have different insulation. And thus, presumably, if you could have, you can think of a, a time where the obliquity was such that it would allow temporary release of all the dry ice or the frozen CO2 that's at the poles to be put back into the atmosphere and cause again temporary situations where liquid water would be stable on the planetary surface for a short geological time, enough to carve the rivers, but not for them to reach characteristics that would compare them to permanently flowing rivers on Earth.
0: Right. So I guess what you're talking about is that to some extent we can use the Earth as a model to understand what's going on on Mars, but the time scales and the the frequency and the consistency of the patterns in which these things flowed might have been completely different, but they leave similar traces uh, on the Martian surface?
1: Yeah, that's correct. I mean, understanding Earth is the first step in understanding our planetary neighbors. I see. And we know very well on Earth what forms rivers and kind of why they have the shape they do. So if you give me the shape of a river without its context... I could tell you whether it comes from a desert or from a, a tropical environment, just okay. because in tropical environment, water flows continuously, whereas desert, it doesn't, and that reflects the shape of the river. And so, yeah, I can apply that thought process to Mars and Titan one day, hopefully.
0: All right, yeah. Uh, so that that brings up a really good point for when I was reading the paper and I realized that you're covering events that happened in the past, possibly hundreds of millions or billions of years ago, but I was wondering about how you can use the techniques or the data that you've analyzed to look into the future. Do you see this being applied to other, other surfaces, like other moons or planets? And to some extent, the one question I had was, do you think that this model may one day help future settlers on Mars locate where water once was, or perhaps where water might be found when they're there?
1: Uh So to answer the first part of your question, so the only other planetary surface that I know has weather that we can think of, like on Earth weather, is the moon Titan, where the liquid that falls from the sky is not water, but liquid hydrocarbon, methane. So that liquid methane flowing on the surface also forms rivers, but I think the processes of erosion are a little bit different, just because it is so much colder there and it is a right. very different liquid. So I'm unsure if the mapping from Earth to Titan can be made as easily as from Earth to Mars. But and
0: in this context, instead of like lithospheric or rock material, we have frozen solid water. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. So a lot of the planetary surface on Titan is frozen water, but really frozen, right? It has like rock strength because it's so cold. Right, and, yeah. And so it's just, it's just such a different alien world. It's fun to think about. And we will get to a point where we can analyze the rivers quantitatively and we're in the first steps of doing so. But applying the method that we've applied on Mars to Titan will require a bit more uh, data.
0: Do you think it could be, to get back to the second part of the question, do you think the methods that you've used and the data that you've analyzed might help to understand where water once was and perhaps where it might be now or other, at other times in the future?
1: I don't think so. The dry riverbeds on Mars are just so old that they, I see. they don't reflect the reality of Mars today.
0: I see. And I, I, this might be a far out question, but I've read of basically attempts that people have proposed to terraform the surface of Mars and to create conditions where water would be flowing once again. But it kind of dovetails with your point about how the f- the flowing of water on the surface of Mars might be ephemeral and tied to impact strikes on the surface. Do you think that there is a potential for running water on Mars again in the future as a result of human-induced activities or as a result of natural bombardment activities?
1: So, natural bombardment activities, no. Simply okay. Simply because the solar system's bombardment activity has decreased over time as our solar system has matured and will continue to decrease in the future. Right. Um, and what prevents liquid water from flowing on the surface is just physics, right? It's too cold and the atmospheric pressure is not high enough.
0: Okay. However,
1: if in the future, humans have the capability of changing that after really thinking hard about the ethics involved in changing the planetary condition and have looked at all the variables as to what that would do to the planet, right? then yes, they will be able to raise the atmospheric pressure in the atmosphere, I think. Okay. But... There are, of course, difficulties in doing that because Mars doesn't have the magnetic fields that Earth does to protect its atmosphere. And so the solar wind might just keep continuing doing its thing and stripping <laughs> the atmosphere <laughs> out of the planet. So we wish, in order for, for terraforming to happen, we would need to supply gases to the atmosphere faster than the solar wind can remove them. And we are extremely far from that, technologically speaking i see <laughs> Great sci-fi novel but
0: <laughs> yeah that's uh that's it's fun to think of and it's um it, it would be a, a potentially fascinating application of understanding where and how water might uh flow again in the future but understanding where it was in the past and how it perhaps this brings to mind the last question that i have are there tie-ins that or any inferences that can be made regarding the spatial locations or the frequency with which water flowed and the potential for supporting a habitable environment in the, in the past on Mars.
1: So that's interesting in the sense that a lot of those dry river are kind of located near the equator of the planet. Mm-hmm. And so if we think about the fact that they, may, that they record past rainfall, Then, if we are to think about the potential habitability of Mars, even today or in the past, it would probably be constrained to those areas that had liquid water on the surface at some point for a certain uh, amount of time. Right. Which is why the uh, Curiosity rover is where it is, right? It's in Gale Crater, which is in the equator. And it has there evidence from the geology that water was present at some point. So it makes sense to go there to... to. uh, to investigate and one of those evidences is just a dry riverbed so riverbeds on mars have a very important role in the in our understanding of its history and on its on our understanding of its past or even present habitability
0: i see well sanjoy thank you very much for your time and uh this podcast will be available through the BMSIS website and uh, through the BMSIS podcast distribution on Apple. And uh, with that, I would like to say thank you to all of our listeners and thank you Sanjoy.
1: It was a pleasure Zach, thank you again.